windows up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Chapman Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry, and I've got my partner with me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney, and I'm excited and honored to be here in the cab with Gary Rayburn. And we are going to have Church on the Road for you today, folks. So sit back, listen, and enjoy our program, and if you'd like to get more copies, just give us a call at 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org. From two crumb stacks, my address is 408-414, a big blue mag. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have that white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. The Road Is My Life, and that's a song that uh, Dennis McKay helped me do down there at his studio, 115A, down in Mac Records in Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, Dennis is a very talented guy and a partner with us here at Lonesome Road Ministry. And speaking of partners, I've got a new partner, Fred <laughs> Mooney. <laughs> it's good to be in the cab. Yeah. Fred, we've got a great... Guest today on yes, our Church on the Road program, it's uh, Andy May, Pastor Andy May. He's with us, and we're going to hear from him right after we hear the great song by our good friend, Joe Arview. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Red Rover, crossover. To the other side Kids are catching lightning bugs The fields are full tonight and Grandma's frying popcorn In an old black iron pan These are just some memories Of old time thinking man well, I remember well The days of yesteryear Seems like only yesterday 
my memories are so clear Times I get to thinking The good old days have gone But I know deep down in my heart The best are yet to come And the best days are yet to come For the days with our Father The Spirit and the Son When the years have passed a million We've only just begun and the best days are yet to come Now the years go flying by My hair keeps turning gray and I can see the wisdom In the words my dad would say Son, you better slow down Keep your eyes on the day I can tell you cause I've been there These are your good old days But the best days are yet to come The days with our Father The Spirit and the Son When the years have passed a million We've only just begun Oh, the best days are yet to come All right, Andy, I know you know Joe Arview, don't you? Yes, very yeah. When's the last time you had him at your church? It's been quite a few years. I well, couldn't tell you the day. I tell you what, if Joe hears this, he's going to be dialing your number. <laughs> have him call me. All right, well, what's your number? 618-231-5213. What was that number again? 618-231-5213. All right. Well, we will have Joe call you, and uh, there's going to be a lot of people want to call and talk to you after you share your testimony and share your heart. Uh, you're pastoring where at right now? New Life Assembly of God out of McLeansboro, Illinois. All right. Well, where is that located? It's uh, on Cherry and Rowan Drive. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. I've been there a few times, and that's a great church, and you've got a great congregation down there. And I know you'd like to brag on them. But, and uh, we just hired an associate pastor. All right. Terry Buchanan. Terry? Oh, oh, Terry Buchanan used to be my pastor. Yeah, he's our associate pastor yeah. now. Well, yeah, there I you know go. Terry. Well, Good you're uh, going up to the next level then. Yes, because uh, things are happening in town. Churches are finally starting to come together. Yeah. Uh, Christian Chapel out on uh, 242. Good We've church, been yeah. with them. And then Rodney Brock out of Dale, Illinois Community Church. We're kind of joining forces revivals and they're getting ready to have a revival uh november sometime right there in the first sounds like you're creating a threefold cord amen <laughs> amen well though we know all about that our ministry has always been about tying ministries together working together and trying to tie churches together yes. and we're we're thrilled that you've come to share your testimony so tell us a little bit how you grew up and uh, uh share your when you got saved and and how things has just run completely smooth ever since you've been saved. Well, it's not always been smooth. I've, I've had a lot of ups and downs. But 
I've never gave up. My dad told me one time he come home, he was beat up pretty bad, and I said, well, you lost that one. He said, son, I didn't lose. Yeah. I said, well, what's the other guy look like? He said, not a mark on him. I said, well, how can you say you didn't lose? He said, I never gave up. So as Christians, if we never give up, we never lose. Amen. No matter how bad we get beat up. But uh, I was born in Dexter, Missouri in 1954. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic uh, most of his life. I was raised in the taverns. Started, I had my first cigarette when I was six years old. Uh, had my first drink when I was 12. And, you know, of course, being raised in uh, an alcoholic family, I was raised in the taverns because we was always set in the corner. And, and I don't understand why taverns have the best food. But, <laughs> you know, we're always there. I guess it kind of draws people in. And Yeah. So for the majority of my life, that's kind of life that I've led uh, with alcohol. Drugs wasn't a part of it. I about died one night with drugs, so I never touched them again. But yeah. um, I was pretty wild. I was in jail, out of jail. Uh, my last time, I was getting ready to be sent to Menard at 17. Wow. So, you know, I know I've always believed in God, even though we never went to church. I, you know, you just, the lifestyle you grow up with, people said, well, how do you... Just not want get. Why don't you want to get out of that? It was the only life I know, mm-hmm. uh, and there was nobody that really talked to me about the Lord. So I remember when I was <laughs> seventeen years old, uh, we was out one night and somebody had shot somebody. Well, I happened to be in with them, and so of course got thrown in jail. And at that time, Sheriff Cannon. Yeah. was the sheriff of Fairfield. I remember. And he said, boy, I'm going to try to help you. He said, when we go to court, and I always got the same judge. He said, when you go to court, he said, keep your mouth shut. Yes, sir. No, sir. Well, I was a punk, so <laughs> that didn't fly. And so I felt him tugging on my shirt tail. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. And so the judge threatened to send me to Menard. And, and of course, then it kicked in. I said, you can't do nothing to me. I'm a 17-year-old, a minor. So you just do whatever you think you can do. Well, he drug out this big law book and uh, showed me where it could be charged as an adult. So I kind of changed my attitude. And I, <laughs> you know how quick you can come up with a plan. I said, well, if you let me go, I said, I'll go to Michigan. Because I had some uncles up there and a brother, Larry. He was up there. And I said, I'll leave the state. He said, don't ever come back. Really? And he let me go with no charges, nothing on my record. So I went to Michigan uh, for about a year. When 18, I come back. Well, I hadn't been back two hours. Dad throwed me out of the house. And so I went to live with the Hefners, Chunks Hefner. Oh, yeah. And uh, so my friends at that time was Jim Hutchcraft and Steve. They called me, said, hey, you want to go out tonight? It was a Sunday night. I said, yeah, because when I left, they still partied. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize something happened here at this church here at King's. Uh, revival had broke out, and I didn't realize they got saved. Of course, I didn't even know what that meant. So that I was a surprise expe- for you, didn't I? <laughs> yes. I was expecting a party, so I jumped in the car with them, and we take off. They begin to tell me about sin, hell, where I was going. Scared the daylights out of me. 18 years old now. Yeah. So I finally got out of that car about two hours later. I thought, whew. And they said, well, you come to church Wednesday night. Well, to get out of that car, I said, I'll be there Wednesday night. (laughs) And uh, one thing good about God is when he uses people, he just doesn't leave it there. You know, so I was staying there at the Hefners, and so we went to bed that night, and I was over there, and the the conviction began to hit me. 
I started crying, 18 years old. Yeah. You know, I was always taught, taught, don't cry. So Billy Hefner, he was there, and he said, are you crying? <laughs> I said, you better shut up. I said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come over there and pound you. He said, you're crying. I said, I am not crying. <laughs> and so I got up that next morning. They was going to town. They said, you want to go to town? I said, no, I'm not going to town. Now, here was my thinking. I get in the car. We're going to get in the car wreck. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to hell. Yeah. They didn't. Now, here's one thing that you always ought to tell somebody. You can get <laughs> saved anywhere. Amen. That's, right. That's true. I, I can testify to that. <laughs> because they didn't tell me that. Yeah. I thought I had to be in church. So right. I was thinking, God, let me at least get to Wednesday night. So that night, I hadn't ate or drink anything. And so one of my favorite foods is steak. And, of course, Chunk's wife, uh, I can't remember her name anyway, she said, we're having a steak tonight. How many you want? I said, I don't want any. <laughs> she said, you don't want no steak? I said, no. If I don't chew it up good enough, it gets hung in my throat, I'll choke to death and I'm going to die. And they couldn't understand why I was feeling that. And they thought I was all crazy. But anyway, in 1973, I come to hear a revival service on that Wednesday night. And conviction was heavy. And and I wanted to go up, but I didn't know what to do. I never prayed. Mm -hmm. And I was hanging on that seat. So Jim Hutchcraft, I felt him tap on my shoulders. He said, do you want to give your heart to the Lord? Jim, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) You know, he said, well, ask God to forgive you of your sins. Now, I know that was a needed to be delivered you know yeah. i was had sin in my life uh so jim i don't even know how to pray he said i'll i'll teach you i'll show you and tell you what to say okay well i can tell you exactly if it was the old church the old funeral home church i can tell you exactly where i knelt down and i never heard a word jim said it just started coming out and god miraculously changed me i felt like i was clean for one time in my life I was so excited. My dad was drunk. He he was drunk 24-7. He had his whiskey bottle there. I went home. That's the first place I was going. I I said, Dad, I got something to tell you. He thought I was going back to jail. I said, no, 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 I got saved. Now, I didn't realize my family had no church. His grandpa was a general Baptist preacher. Oh, wow. So he knew what you was talking about. My mom's dad was a Pentecostal. They was wicked people. I didn't know they had any church history. And Dad said, you're going to jail, ain't you? I said, no, Dad, I really give my heart to the Lord. I ain't paying no more fines because he paid like 3000 that year for me. And, but anyway, I, I said, well, he said, six months, if you're still like you are, he said, I'll believe it. So I went to bed, and I felt the devil there, and God said, you got to get out of here or you're never going to make it. So... I thought, God, I don't have nowhere to go. He said, I've already prepared you a place. I said, where's that at? With James and Glenna Hutchcraft. Oh, because <laughs> it's a better place. She works in a, a sewing shop, and he's a bus driver. Yeah, He's got two boys. We'll eat them out of house and home. I said, God, they will. So finally I got in my car, and I, I felt like the devil was after me. So I got over there, and, and James said, what can I do? I said, I need a place to stay. He said, stay here. Wow. So I stayed there for six months. That's where I got my teaching. We prayed. We read. Um, found my wife. He, he James Hutchcraft found me a wife. <laughs> he said, "Boy, it's time for you to leave." And see, he said, "I got you. I got you a girl that if you and she'll be a good girl." And so I met Brenda Wheeler, and we got married, and uh, been together ever since. Forty nine years. Wow. And uh, begin started pastoring. Uh, Boy, I tell you, I just can't 
love God enough for what he's done. So I always witnessed to my dad. I had a little brother. Yeah. Uh, at five years old, he could have been a sailor. I mean, he talked like one. <laughs> we taught him everything. And when, because I was 15 when he was born. So Brenda said, let's take him to church. I said, oh, Brenda, this boy will embarrass us to death. You, you, he's got, let's just, and you know, he never said a word, Brother Gary. And yeah. so I always witnessed to dad. Dad said, son, there's nothing to this. I'm glad that you're living the way you are. But he said, when you're dead, you're just like a dog, you're dead. I said, Dad, that's not true. So we witnessed and we witnessed. So we took my little brother, five years old, to church. And so he went home that night and he went to bed. And he, of course, like I said, my dad was drunk all the time. And so David woke him up. He slept in the same room. He said, Dad, I had a dream. He said, I don't want to hear none of your dreams. He said, Oh, you got to hear this one, Dad. Jesus come back in the clouds and he took us all to heaven. You and Mom didn't go. Oh, wow. And Dad said, You better get over there and you get in that bed and you hush. So he went back to bed and. The next night he woke up and he said, Dad, I got another dream. Dad said, I don't want to hear none of your dreams, boy. He said, but Dad, you got to hear this. He said, I seen a black raven on the end of your bed and it's staring at you. Of course, Dad related that to death. Sure. And so he was working at Fairfield and, and decided he had to go to the package store. He was drunk. He worked drunk and he was out of whiskey. So he was headed there between Fairfield and Piopolis. He said he heard God's voice speak into his heart. You either give me your life or you're going to die. From that moment, he gave his heart to the Lord. He was 46 years old. Now, Mom had already been saved. She got saved at, when I was preaching. Of course, I couldn't preach. I just cried. And she got up and embarrassed her. She was getting up to go outside. Well, she came to the altar instead. So that gave her a notice two weeks. If you don't quit church in two weeks, I'm leaving. But anyway, between that time, God spoke to him. Dad, give his heart to the Lord at 46 years old. I've seen him try to quit, Gary. He could not quit. But from that moment, he gave his heart to the Lord. He never took another drink, and he passed away at 83. And he was in church almost every night. He, he yeah. couldn't stand the smell of alcohol. It made him sick to even think about it. Never had a shake. God completely delivered all of my family. We was all in church at one time. Mm. Uh, of course, Larry's passed away. He died last year, September 30th. But uh, he he loved the Lord, gave his heart, and so God's really been merciful and been happy ever since. Of course, like I said, there's a few bumps in the road. Uh, you think these roads, even a good road, uh, get a bump in it every now and then. Amen. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of bumps in the road, ain't there, Fred? Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to roll back time a little bit to when you were saved and you were instantaneously delivered from alcohol. Yes, never right? took a, I have not since I was eighteen years old, I have never touched a drop of alcohol. And never you, had did, a you didn't it. desire it after that. I never desired it. Now me and my Brenda, we our marriage even you know, I was raised to not control my temper. I could do anything I wanted. Dad and him just didn't want me to get caught. <laughs> so I even through marriage, I had a hard time with my temper. So we got into it one time, and I told her, I said, I'm just going to go get drunk. So I went up to Mount Vernon. I went getting ready to walk into the tavern, and I almost had a hold of that door handle. God said, if you go in, you'll never come out. Yeah. I said, you going to kill me? If you go in, you'll never come out. So scared me to death. I went home. Yeah. I said, God, would you have killed me? He said, don't make no difference whether I let you die there or you could have been a drunk for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. He said, so, but I've never had a desire for it. I see. 
Yeah. And I knew your dad. I just loved your dad. Your dad is a great guy. And uh, it's it's something somebody that was that deep in alcohol instantaneously got delivered. From that very moment. he, And I think I would be safe in saying he was drunk 360 days a year. Um, he'd drink a fifth of whiskey a day or more. Wow. Uh, he, he had by his bedside when he'd wake up, he'd drink. So he was drunk all the time. Mm. Now, now, you may wonder why I'm asking these questions, but I'm, I'm a delivered alcoholic, so mm. this speaks to me. But I'm, I'm also a, a, a preacher, a deacon, a finance team member, mm-hmm. and today the church has taken a real lax stance on alcohol, and this just rubs me the wrong way. Well, here's what my dad told me. I told him, Dad said, son, a drink will never hurt you. He said, no, I'm not going to drink. He said, I don't think one drink will hurt you. I, so we had discussions over it. So we was in Sunday school one day, and Dad said, you cannot drink, not even the first drink. I said, Dad, when did you change your theology? <laughs> he said, well, I was praying about it one day, and God asked him, said, Ed, when did you become an alcoholic? Dad said, I thought. He said, well, I started drinking at nine years old. He said, I really don't know. God said, if you'd have never took the first drink, you'd have never been an alcoholic. That's exactly true. And that's what uh, changed his whole theology about if a drink will hurt you or not. Yeah. I think the church in America today is making a big mistake because there is people that have Mm -hmm. what I call addictive personalities. Mm -hmm. Yes. And whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, the first one, they're hooked and there they go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a driver call me one time, and he, he said, uh, I listened to your CDs, he said, but he said, uh, I don't think a drink will hurt you. He said, I, I, I like to, when I get home on the weekend, I like to have a beer or two or three. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I just don't think there's anything wrong with drinking. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you have any kids? He said, yeah. I said, do they watch you drink? He said, well, yeah. I said, he, I said, you probably even send them to the refrigerator to get your beer for you, don't you? He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, what do you think you're teaching your kids? That drinking is okay. And when they get out there and they get 16, 17, and they get out there and they say, well, Dad always drank. It's okay for, to drink. So they right. go start drinking, and then they either they could have a car wreck, they could kill somebody, they could kill themselves, or they could become alcoholics, even though you only drink two or three beers at a time. I said, if you want to drink, I said, you need to go hide in a closet and drink your beer and don't let anybody see you because that is not the witness that you want for a Christian home. You're, you're calling yourself a Christian and drinking, right. and you need to... You need to stop it. It opens up doors that need to be closed and never be opened. Another one, I never had, I smoked since I was 12 years old until 18. Probably three packs a day. Never had a desire for them. Hooked on pornography, and that's another big issue with church people. It is. Uh, To me, that's one of the hardest addictions to break because it deals with the mind, and it deals with our sexuality Mm -hmm. as God put in us, so it's more addictive. But I can tell you, you can be delivered and you can be free from it, even though the world's trying to pour it in in every avenue of life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, that is a hard addiction to break. It takes the fire of God and just... And a lot of what a lot of people don't want to do is they don't want to be accountable. 
Mm-hmm. We used to call it accountability, have an accountability partner yeah. that when you start getting these urges that you call this person. But then if you don't do it immediately, the flesh takes over. And I'm not calling that guy because I want to experience that again. And it's it's very tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's a. Uh... I mean, it's on our televisions. All you got to do is turn your TV on. It's still on regular TV now. Right. Uh, it's all over the place, and so it's hard to hard to get away from it. I mean, you got to watch uh, well, TV Land. <laughs> That's about it, the only safe the channel only, there it is. is. It's about truth. <laughs> watch Gunsmoke. And, and you know, again, when you talk about opening doors, you say, "Well, just one image is not bad," but you know, you can your mind is a great computer, and it'll call back up these. But it's doors that are open, uh, you know, and I've heard the testimony of Ted Bundy. His started out with magazines, and when that didn't fulfill his desire, then he went into mm-hmm. deeper than when he went as far as he could go. Mm-hmm. Then he actually started doing it. So it, it that is one of the, I, I feel, one of the worst addictions in, in to see broken in people's lives. Amen. Yeah. But I like one thing we need to take away from this is that we serve a powerful God, and you can give your heart to God, and he can instantaneously deliver you this. Here we got, we got three guys right here plus your dad that I know of a fact that were instantaneously delivered from alcohol. Completely, yes. I, it, it just blows you away. Yeah. Then I see people struggle with it, but I also seen them delivered from it. I mean, it took a little more for them. And another thing you got to watch out for, and it's sad to say, you got to watch out for church people. <laughs> I mean, they mean good at times, but sometimes they don't, which me and you had talked. Uh, it almost destroyed my life. Uh, probably I was saved, and I've already, I was pastoring 15, 20 years my, in that area. Uh, uh, people hurt me. They started yeah. lying on me. Was there a little bit of truth to it? Maybe in some areas, again, because I, I'll just be honest with you, pornography is tough, to, addiction to break. Mm-hmm. But anyway... I almost I quit going. I started uh, smoking. I didn't want them. Uh, I wouldn't go to church very often because people hurt me. And and uh, I finally just in my room one day, and God uh, was telling me, he asked me what I was doing there, and I said, "Well, I don't like people anymore." You know, God said, "Well, what are you going to do?" I said, "Well, if you want me to go preach, I'll go to the mountains. I'll preach to squirrels, rabbits, <laughs> raccoons, whatever you want me to, um, because they do what they're meant to do." <laughs> Somehow people don't do what they're really what we're supposed to. And one of them is love God with all your heart. Amen. And then love your neighbors yourself. If we could, he said, if you could do these two things, you don't have to worry about it. It's, that's the whole fulfillment of the law. And if the church could grasp it, loving God more than anything, then loving people, because God loved people. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean save people, all of it. It means he loved lost people. So... Finally, I told God, I said, God, God told me, he said, well, if you're not, I'm going to just kill you. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, God wouldn't do it, but that's what he told me. <laughs> uh, I took him for, <laughs> that's what he meant. <laughs> and I said, well, that's a little drastic. I, you know, I'm like, God, you know, I don't want to die. I said, but you don't know what they've done to me. God said, you don't know what they've done to me yeah. and to my son, in which I thought that's not fair. But it is fair <laughs> when you look at it and... He said, and this is a wisdom that he gave me, nothing that I could do. He said, you can't help what people do to you, but you can help what you do to people. That's correct. Even, even when, Because when he says love your enemies, that's what he means. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we're to forgive people Amen. so 
God will forgive us. That's right. And as we forgive people, that's the way God forgives us. Now I, I'm with you there. I've got a I've got a window in my Sunday school class with four words on it that says "Love God, love people," and you can wrap all this up into those four words. Now the first part, I found that easy. Mm-hmm. Second part, a little tougher, because people are imperfect, and we have to we have to love people as God loved us. And that's what I done. I thought, okay, God. I'm back on track, and I've never faltered since. Uh, and I'm not saying I've not been hurt, but I tried to look at it. Then I got back through time said, well, how many people did you hurt? Not really meaning to, but just because of words. And I'm thinking, boy, forgive me, <laughs> because I probably did do that yeah. and not even meaning to. And, you know, I like to tell a story, and it is amazing because, you know, we do things when we're lost. And I think I shared this with you, Gary, when I met you down at Wilson's. Carmine, yeah. yeah. That you and my brother got in a fight one night. We did. I remember that. And I had a brand new pair of boots, too. <laughs> so I was home, and I'd been drinking, and he come in, and he said, I want you to go take care of Gary Rayburn. I know what he meant. He yeah. wanted me to go kill you. I said, okay. I jumped in the car, and I take off. Well, my gun ain't in the car. And so God intervened. God knows what he had for you in this ministry. Because yeah. if I had the gun, found you that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm related to the McCoys. Hatfield McCoys, I'm a McCoy. <laughs> not very far down. And, and I know that's not the excuse. But, you know, again, I was never told to control my temper. And so I would have done it. But then after, you know, thank God that things happened. And I could have went back and got it. But, but during that time, you think. And then I think God intervened. You know, even when I was lost, I think God intervened in my life yeah. at times, didn't let me get into situations because I know the devil was trying to control the situation, but God said, I know what I have an expected end for you. And he said, I know what I'm going to use you for yeah. if I can ever get you corralled. And <laughs> it's amazing your testimony, how God got a hold of you. Yeah. So it just, yeah, God's I, plan is so hard to figure out if we just... Day by day. Yeah, God had a plan for your life back then. He had yes. a plan for my life back then, and he wasn't going to let Satan destroy his plan. That's right. Yeah. Amen. And he was trying to. Yes. Satan come to kill, steal, and, and destroy. And now we're brothers in Christ. Yeah. And I thought, God, awesome. how awesome is that? You know, yes. even though Satan come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came to give us life. And life more abundantly. abundantly. And that's Amen. that's the part of that verse that I just love. Because God wants to bless us if we will just surrender to him. Yes. And that's what you did and that's what I did. You done a little sooner than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1973. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you. It was on a Wednesday night. But it had to be around July, August, June, yeah. somewhere in there. In a revival right here in this town, Keynes, yes. Illinois. And you ended up pastoring here later Twiced. on. Twice. Twice. Once, uh, yep, and then you came back and pastored again, and now you're pastoring well, down at where'd well, you go from actually from here? Yeah, we was running 80 something, yeah, and so I was in here praying one night, and God said, I want you to resign, and I was having a good time here. I, <laughs> I mean, my me and my wife, we was just so blessed with the people, and so God said, I want you to go pastor Hyde's Chapel, which is in Mount Vernon. 
But I said, God, Jimmy Smith, me and Jimmy Smith, good friends. I said, he's pastoring her. He said, I'm getting ready to take him home. Wow. And he said, so I want you to go yeah. pastor there. So I told Brenda. Brenda said, that wasn't God. I said, now, Brenda, I know God's voice, and I know that's what he told me. And said, well, they got pastor, and they're not getting rid of Jimmy. I yeah. said, he's going to die. They, yeah. She said, he is not. So Died on the roof. Died on the roof. So anyway, I resigned. Two weeks later, I met my mother-in-law's. They said, you got to pray for Jimmy Smith. He's had a heart attack. He's on the roof. They was roofing. I said, he's dead. Yeah. Well, they're going to bring him back. I said, they ain't bringing him back. It, not lack yeah. of faith. I just know what God told yeah. me. So he did pass away. So we finally give her, we already gave her notice here. I was doing it by faith. And you think sometimes that when God tells you that, plans work out. But it also takes people <laughs> to get the plan of God working. So when I got there, I told them, and everybody, because my mother-in-law was there, they thought yeah. I would treat my mother-in-law different than I would. I said, a pastor, you don't treat family different than you do anybody. But anyway, I didn't get to church. Uh -huh. And I thought, God, now you told me I was going to pastor here. God said it takes them to agree to it also. Wow. You've done what you've done. So that's when I went to Smith in 1992. Um, I got a call. They said, well, will you come down to pastor? I said, well, I'll have to pray about it because I'm still thinking yeah. here. Well, that's Ron where... Davis was the pastor. So I'm praying at home. I went down and preached, and I said, I'll pray about it. And so I'm praying, and God said, Ron Davis is getting ready to come, him and her and him and Ruby. I said, okay, they're going to talk to you. He said, they're going to flatter you. God said, turn to this scripture. Now, I, I just know that he told this book, chapter, verse. Mm -hmm. It was about flattery. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. That, and I, I didn't know what it was going to say. Yeah. And then God said, they're going to bribe you to stay because we was working with youth. So God said, turn to this book, this chapter, this verse. It was about bribery. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So anyway, I get this call. Ron said, can we come over? <laughs> yeah, come on over. <laughs> so he started, you know, you and Brenda are really doing good. And Ron meant good. And I know yeah. he had a one for the church. but So he started flattering me, and God said, there's the first one. I said, well, Ron, I, I'm still praying about it. He said, well, how much are they going to pay you? I said, I don't know. Money was never discussed. And so he said, I'll give you $100 a month to stay here with me. Yeah. God said, there's the bribe. I said, you know what? I'm taking to church. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he kind of upset him a little bit. He said, you don't even know what they're going to pay me. I said, God told me to go, so I'll pay them if I have to. <laughs> but, you know, it only had like 20 people. Yeah. And I pastored here with 80, and they paid me 900 a month, more than I'd ever got anywhere else. Wow. And I was working at General Tire. And from 92 to 98, I finally, I said, I'm quitting General Tire, going full-time. They The first church, smallest church, and I got paid full-time salary to come in. And then I've been there. Uh, we went up to New Life Assembly because it was out in the country. The church was run down. So we went up with the New Life Assembly of God uh, and uh, been there since 2003. That's the one you're there. at now, yes. right now, New yes. Life Assembly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So. And you've been there since 2003. Yes. Wow, that's that's great. So you you've been pastoring since way back. When I you, was 24 years old when I started pastoring. 24 years old. Do you remember when God first called you to pastor? Yes. 
Tell I us. didn't think I could do it. I, yeah, I tell, tell me about that. They wanted me, to, and you know, here you go. Some of the you're 24 says, years yeah, old. Yeah, you're too young. You're too young. Yeah, and I've only been saved since I was 18. Yeah. Uh, so I think I keep pastor. My pastor then was Raymond Caps. He said you can pastor, just follow the Lord. And I just stepped out and by faith and. Oh, my goodness. It, it was a different ride. <laughs> <laughs> you learned a lot. But I was you? glad that, and you know, I thought over the years, boy, I'd love to evangelize. God said, you're not evangelist. I'm yeah. putting you in a pastoral position. I, I pray that I've, I've met a lot of people, led a lot of people to the Lord by God's grace, a lot of them on their deathbed. Yeah. You know. Wow. So. You know, you mentioned Jimmy Smith earlier. Mm-hmm. He's one of my best friends. He was my first, if you could call them mentors, that I had. I was saved, and one of the first groups I played drums for was a group called the Singing Sunrise. Yes. And he preached and sang, sang lead. Butch and Mary Pearl. Butch and Mary Pearl. Yeah. But I'll never forget, something happened. And at that time, I was a new Christian, and I thought people were perfect. I thought Christians were perfect. They just floated around on clouds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and something happened to to show me how imperfect Christians can be. And I went to Jimmy, and I said, Jimmy, I can't believe this. He said, Fred, I'm going to give you some advice. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He said, if you keep your eyes on people, you're going to be disappointed. Right. But said, if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you won't be disappointed. And I've never forgot that. And, in fact, He's he's the past, he's the guy that married me and Kitty when we got married, 19, 1975. He had a lot of wisdom, and if the church could remember that, because we are imperfect, we do things, and again, that's why I think the scripture talks so much about forgiveness. And I think you know you see some people that are judged pretty quick. Some even though they're they do some things in their life that's not right. I think when you have a forgiveness heart, God doesn't let you get away with anything, but he deals with you. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're willing exactly. to repent. Yep. So that's why scripture, I think a lot of it's about love. Yeah. You can never go long, wrong with love. Yeah. I remember uh, my first pastor, Russ Beatles, one of the things he used to say, he always say, don't follow me, follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Don't follow the pastor. Don't follow people. Follow Jesus. And if I get if, out of that word, you try that word. If I preach anything other than that word, then yeah. you don't listen to me. Yeah. You know, you pray for me or even come and <laughs> confront me. Yeah. I'd rather have somebody, if I've done something wrong, come and ask me. Talk. To, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. That way it uh, gives me an opportunity to repent. Because if I said it or if I'd done it, I didn't mean to or didn't realize it. And I had one pastor told me that one time. He said, you preached that wrong. <laughs> and I said, okay, show me. Yeah. You know, I ain't going to say that. He showed me, and I was so thankful because really? I misinterpreted yeah. some of the Scripture. Well, that, that is so important because people are imperfect. That's right. And just because you're standing in a pulpit doesn't mean everything comes out of your mouth will come out correct. And I think that's why we got to guard our mind because everything that comes <laughs> in isn't always God. Yeah. And you need to you need to be held accountable. Yes. You know, accountability is a great thing for a person, but it's not a very popular word today. <laughs> not I, today. No. no. <laughs> I had what I had been saved and Jim Hutchcraft, like I said, 
got me to meet my wife, yeah. my girlfriend at the time. So uh, hadn't been saved even six months. And so we talked about getting married. Well, her mom and dad and brother did not like that. Hmm. So we run off, going to get married. Well, she backed out. We run off. She backed out. We run off. Got to Carmine. She was going to back out. I said, if you back out this time, you're walking home. <laughs> Fifteen years later, she said, the only reason I married you that day is because I didn't know my way home. I said, well, that's a good thing to hear after 15 years of marriage. She said, oh, I still wanted to marry you and just would have done it that day. So it was a secret. We never told anybody for two weeks. Oh, really? We spent our honeymoon in church. Yeah. And so, you know, conviction. I, I like conviction. It isn't always pleasant, but I felt convicted because I didn't tell her family. So... It was time to do it. We was here in King's Church. <laughs> you done it right in church. Yeah, and so I, I felt a little bit like Jacob. I was trying to see how I could better benefit me. So I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, I'm under conviction. I said, I got to tell her brother, because he was holding a revival. And I thought, I come up with this plan. I said, Eddie, I said, I need to go to the altar and pray about something. <laughs> I thought he won't kill me on an altar of prayer, surely. So I got up there, and he was all smiles. You know, a, He said, what are we going to pray about? I said, uh, well, me and your sister's married. The smile went into a frown. <laughs> so first words, you're going to go tell mom and dad. I said, well, yeah, I'm going to. But... Years later, he told me, he said, Mom and Dad love you more than they love me. Oh, you know, wow. uh, because I took care of them yeah. and uh, stuff. But, you know, some of the crazy things we do, that's why I say we're imperfect. Uh, you got to watch what you do. Yeah. But you don't know that when you're first saved. Uh, but you learn it, hopefully, as you grow. Yeah. So just kind of a little funny story. And they was awful mean to me. We They sung. I couldn't even carry a tune. <laughs> Uh, I remember we was at Carlinville one time in uh, the old Pioneer Quartet, Rocky Gilbert. Oh, yeah. He sat beside me, and I'm trying to clap with uh, David Wilkerson and them singing. And yeah. he finally said, Andy, would you please quit clapping it or clap on time? He said, he said, you're throwing me off. Me and you could be side by side. My wife always tells me the same thing. Would you stop it? You're messing me up. So they tie my shoes together. I couldn't stay awake. They tie my shoes together. I'd fall out of the van. They, they just, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, I'm telling you, being a Christian is a, you can have a lot of fun. Yeah, you can. Hey, Amen. That's awesome. Well, Andy, before we close our program, I know there's something else that's really on your heart that you just want to tell our listeners right now and uh we're going to give you that opportunity right after we have another joe Arview song so, <laughs> so you think about what god has laid on your heart and listen to joe Arview. sometimes i like to think or even have a dream that i could fly just walk on a cloud Mountain tops or swing on jungle vines Like a child on daddy's shoulders On a ferris wheel or a house built in a tree Any high in the sky Just don't compare To the high that I found down on my knees Lord lift me up High enough to see heaven's door And hold me there Higher than I've ever been before 
But I've searched this world over And never seemed to find just what I need Cause any high that I've tried It don't take me there Like the high that I get down on my knees When I was young, I took a puff from a skinny cigarette Now that I'm older, it's one more thing I've lived to regret Everybody's searching for the thing in life to change the way you feel Since nobody seems to know, well, let me tell you so Everything's gonna change when you kneel Lord, lift me up High enough to see heaven's door And hold me there Higher than I've ever been before Well, I've searched this world over And never seemed to find just what I need Cause any high that I've tried Won't take me there Like the high that I get down on any high that I've tried won't take me there Like the high that I get down on my knees The churches went through where we hadn't seen a lot of deliverance from people, from drugs, alcohol, even being saved. I really feel like a revival is in the air. I think God's wanting to begin to minister to people because here's why I think he's always wanted to, but I think I see the church hungering. Mm -hmm. They're tired of the same. A lot of churches are ready to, God, we need something to happen. We need a revival. We need the power of God to begin to break these alcohol, uh, drugs, mm -hmm. uh, sex. Uh, it's going to take the power of God. And God's always got the power. It's just we got to get hungry for a movement of God. And that's what I really see. It. And that's what I see in these three churches in McLeansboro. Yeah. Uh, we're wanting to see McLeansboro set free. Now, McLeansboro has a lot of witchcraft, a lot of drugs, a lot of everything. And in 1992, God said, I'm going to send you down there to break this stronghold. Yeah. Now, we haven't seen it, but it takes more than just one person. It takes more, than, I think, than just one church. Yeah. You know, even with your ministry, it goes along better when people get on board to help, whether it's financially, prayer, mm -hmm. or even something like this. So I see God really beginning to rise. I think there's a, a, a revival on the move, uh, a pushing of the Spirit, if you say, would say, to begin to— because I can't help but believe these people don't want to be where they're at. Right. And if they could quit this stuff, they would. Well, you know how it was when we was lost in, in drugs and alcohol, right. or you was alcohol, I was yes. drugs— and alcohol both, but you know how it was. We we were we thought we was having a good time, but we were miserable as we could be. And that's there's so many people out there 
that are just exactly like that. And I mean, I've seen them when I was driving across country. I've seen them all across the country, and they're they're out there, and they're looking for a real Jesus. Amen. And we got to show it to them. And I think that's where God's trying to get the church to yes. become real again. Yes. Not by programs or, yeah. or uh, religion. Religion. Yes. And I think that's been one of the main concerns is we've got religion instead of salvation. Mm-hmm. Religion just divides. Religion. Salvation brings together. Religion is what hung Jesus on the cross. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And that's what I see happening. I think God's making the America, giving America another chance. Amen. God bless America again. Amen. 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 There's a man down on the corner holding a sign. You know, I think he's right. Says the end of time. Saw a newsman on TV in a Colorado town Telling how some madman shot innocent people down God, I hate to think what lies ahead We don't get back to the Bible Start doing what Jesus said We gotta pray like we've never prayed before We gotta fight Like a soldier in a war Take a stand Every woman and every man Down on our knees We gotta beg and plead We can't give up We can't give in Till God blesses America again I wonder what old Thomas Jefferson would say If he could come back from the grave And talk to us today Would he tell us that this country Is just what he had in mind would repent and turn to God Be the words he cried All of this low living Comes with a high cost And America needs to wake up Before everything is lost We gotta pray Like we've never prayed before We gotta fight like a soldier in a war Take a stand Every woman and every man Down on our knees We gotta beg and plead We can't give up We can't give in Till God blesses America again Time to put the Ten Commandments back on the courthouse square. Put God's Word back in our schools, open every day with prayer. Let all the preachers start preaching against sin. And maybe then, maybe then, 
God bless America again Maybe then Maybe then Maybe then Maybe then God will bless America again Well, uh, Andy, we don't like to close any program without asking our listeners if they know Jesus Christ as their personal Amen. Savior, if they would like to be saved. Amen. And we've talked about a lot of different things today, and there's people out there that are struggling with a lot of the things that we're, we've been talking about. And there's only one thing that will set them free, and that's Jesus. Jesus. So would you uh, talk to our uh, listeners right now and just... Set them free. If you're being bound by some sin or something, it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. But what they didn't tell me is I could call on the name of Jesus and just invite him in my heart to help me overcome these things, to take them out, to deliver me whatsoever. Your prayer is the most powerful prayer than anyone else because you know what you need. You know what you're asking the Lord for, and God wants to hear it from a personal thing. We can pray, and I want to pray, yeah. but your prayer is going to be the one that sets you free. Now, yeah. our prayers will guide you, or give you a kind of a guideline, uh, but I assume, and I really think, that when you begin to pray, the Holy Spirit will take over, and you'll begin to cry out to God. And let me tell you, that's the most powerful thing. That it's more powerful, I believe, than an atomic bomb. Yeah, it is. Because I'm telling you, Jesus is powerful. So, Father, mm-hmm. we come to you, God, over these issues. and these, God, whoever this is going out to, we pray, God, for their situation. Whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, or whatever, God, we pray that, Father, you would begin to speak to their heart. God, you know where they're at. Holy Spirit, begin to go and minister to these individuals. And God, let them know there is freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ, that he can set free anything. There's nothing too hard for him. Because we read in the word where he went about doing good, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, delivering all manner of problems, God. So, Father, we know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we pray over the listeners today that, God, whatever they have need of, send your presence, God, to minister to them in Jesus' name. Amen. It's me again Here to share this morning light Would you wash my sins today Let me walk in your delight All I have you've given me All I am my own, it's true Use me now, dear Lord I give myself all up to you It's all up to you For you I give my all It's all up to you 
if I stand or if I Start my life anew Take me as I am I give myself all up to you It's me again Here at your throne once more You love me more today Than you did the day before Though I fail and fall the way Your grace comes shining through Help me now, dear Lord I give myself all up to you It's all up to you For you I give my heart It's all up to you If I stand or if I fall I come to you each day To start my life anew Take me as I am I give myself all up to you Lord, take me as I am I give myself all up to you what you said uh, earlier about uh, Jim and Steve Hutchcraft witnessing to you and you couldn't wait you, you couldn't wait till Wednesday night to get to church so you could get saved you thought you had to be saved in church if you would have known that all you had to do was cry out to Jesus you could have had to stake that one night that's right I'd, I'd have been free that first night but you know what I didn't eat or drink or anything for three days I know but I'm thinking oh that was miserable amen and well I got saved driving down the road at 65 <laughs> mile an hour and there's people out there that need to know that they can do that amen right where they're at right, where right they're at. now cry out to Jesus and he will lift you up out of that mire clay, out of that pit that you're in, and he will set your feet upon the rock, and he will establish your going. Here's one of the interesting things that my dad done after he was saved. That first Sunday morning, he went to the altar. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I know I'm saved. These people only know me what I was. They need to see me make a move that it would validate what God has already done in my life. And I thought, where did that wisdom come from? That is, but when you look back at his yeah. history, yeah. it was steeped in, and it, his grandpa was a general Baptist preacher. Yeah, wow. That is powerful there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he was not only setting himself free, he was setting other people free and he too. he wanted them to look and to say, there has been a change. I did go to the altar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. That's awesome. 
I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Well. Uh, and uh, my heart does love people. Amen. Well, we appreciate you, Andy, and um, we're glad that you're part of uh, Lonesome Road Ministry and, and uh, working together with them churches down there. Man, I tell you, if there's anything we can do, we want to be part of it. Amen. 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 Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree If you've enjoyed what you heard and you would like to talk to Lonesome Road Ministries, give Gary a call at 618-383-2107. That's 618-383-2107. 2107. Call today. Or you can log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. We would love to hear from you. And that phone number that Fred gave you, you can also text me your mailing address. We'd love to get you on our mailing list and send you some of these every month out there on the road. And remember this, friends. Jesus loves you. And we do too. We'll talk at you later. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree